Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. All right, good afternoon. Every interview that happens in your company needs to have a purpose. Now, there is a specific purpose for the phone screen, which is positioning and the quality of the individual. The on-site interview's purpose is, does this person align with our company values? And the skills interview's purpose is to determine if the person has the capacity to thrive in the role. Now, too often the directive is given to have a conversation to find out if you'd like to work with this person. And it is in this unstructured format that bias and discrimination fester. Because the interviewers don't understand the interview's purpose. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest people by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Robert Huddock. Robert founded Huddock Law Group in 2015 to deliver tailored legal services to California companies that thrive in vibrant, creative work environments. His clients are often companies looking at new markets and competitive opportunities that want to recruit the best talent available while avoiding distracting workplace issues and lawsuits. Robert is also a competitive triathlete, which requires careful planning, attention to detail, and dedication. He uses those characteristics in his professional life for his client's benefit, which is what makes Robert the perfect expert for today's topic. Robert, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hello, Rick. Happy to be here, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you, my friend. We're going to tackle employment law, which I know nobody's excited to hear about, right? But we're going to tackle it from a different angle because we're going to talk about what happens in the interview and why it's important to think about not only what's said in the interview, but answers to questions and what you should and should not consider that can avoid a discrimination lawsuit. Sound like a plan? That's great. All right, perfect. Let's talk about this in context of where you're an expert. Within recruiting functions, lay out for me kind of what the three areas legally that you need to be concerned about. Yeah, in that process, the uh, three most common uh, uh, areas in which you see or potentially see employment issues arise are with that job posting and advertisement function, uh, also interviewing, and third, when you assess the fitness of a candidate for a certain position, things such as criminal history check, uh, uh, medical uh, examination and such. Where do most companies that you see get themselves in trouble? What's the most obvious place where things happen? Yeah, out of those three, uh, the issue that comes up or the function that comes up the most in these areas are uh, is interviewing. Perfect. Which is why we're going to focus on that today. I've seen lots of companies, we get taught uh, by HR what not to say, but we don't get taught what to say, right? And so a lot of times what ends up happening is people have these conversations just to get to know somebody. And a lot comes out in those conversations that can be misconstrued as potentially being discriminatory or bias. Why would this be important to a company? Why does, why does a company need to pay attention to this? Uh, well, let's say your company, you're going through um, the effort and the expense of 
protecting your company and uh, having things run smoothly uh, by focusing on what's happening in the workplace and how any uh, termination or any kind of adverse employment action is carried out. Well, it would be a shame if with all that effort, your company is still exposed and faces a claim with respect to uh, the interviewing process, for example, and uh, that could have been prevented if you had a little knowledge and um, a little information, a little information on strategy. So we're going to bust into that in a minute. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and your link to order Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your guide to landing the strongest talent for your company. We're talking to Robert Hoddock. He is an employment attorney with Hoddock Law, and we're going to really delve into now the components of how we solve the problem of an interview from a legal perspective. I'll let you bust into that really quickly, Robert. So identify, if you could, for me, the three components that we were going to go through. The three components of we're talking about interviewing, and we're going to go through um, what is acceptable and unacceptable in um, employee or candidate interviews. Um, and we're also going to discuss um, how to or what to do um, to uh, deal with this problem ahead of time and also how to respond uh, when, an, when you don't ask the question that prompts discussion of the problem areas, but they volunteer that information. That's the one I want to spend a bunch of time on. So let's, let's set this up first. So before you actually run an interview, you kind of want to identify and, and define some criteria, right? What would that be? The criteria would be, um, number one, um, you would like to um, think about the common implicated categories. Well, let's talk, let's back up for just a moment. Um, with interviewing, what's not allowed, and I'm going to read directly from the statute, um, and I think it'll be self-explanatory. It talks about what is prohibited, which is any non-job-related inquiry that expresses directly or indirectly any limitation, specification, or discrimination as to any protected characteristic. The protected characteristics are those um, categories that are um, specifically enumerated in the applicable anti-discrimination statute. And you're all familiar with them, but you might not know. And that is things like age, disability, national origin. And actually those three categories are the um, categories that most co commonly come up in the interviewing process and, and therefore ones you should focus on. And then you also have uh, what family and marital status and then religion or political views. Yeah, yeah. Some more are uh, sex or gender, uh, military status, uh, marital status, um, and also religion. You and I talked offline. This was interesting to me. Let's say, for example, you are a faith-based company or, you know, you operate in an environment where that is important. That's part of the core values of your company. 
somebody can claim they're being discriminated against based on that if that's something that, that they don't align with, and yet they still felt like they were passed over because because of that, right? Sure. Yeah, and, and the key there is, well, first let me mention that not all discrimination is, un, is uh, unlawful discrimination. A company... Okay, what does that mean? Yeah, so a company is allowed to discriminate. And usually people, if the word discrimination is used, lawful discrimination is assumed. Or excuse me, unlawful uh, discrimination is assumed. But today we're going to uh, differentiate between lawful discrimination and unlawful discrimination. And what that means is the law does not prevent an employer from discriminating for purposes of determining whether the um, candidate meets certain qualifications that don't discriminate in and of themselves and also that um, are relevant uh, to any uh, essential function of the job for which they're interviewing. And so um, with respect to that example that you gave, that's the key. Look at whether whatever the uh, qualifications are of that faith-based organization or what the qualifications for, for the particular job in that faith-based faith based organization and uh, determine, okay, is, is the criteria of, be, let's say the criteria is they want Christians. If that, so you assess whether, okay, is being a Christian uh, a legitimate uh, requirement for which there's justification for that discrimination? And let's take, for example, you know, the job position involves um, spreading a uh, Christianity-based message. Well, in such a situation, that's where it would be lawful discrimination. I'm following you 100%. So like if I'm a Satan worshiper, you know, you can <laughs> discriminate against me because I don't, I don't fulfill that mission of, of the company, right? Yeah, it's a legitimate qualification that is required to perform that function. To, to distinguish um, if it was that same organization that just preferred to have all Christians working for it, that's where you're going to have a problem. If it's part of what the organization is, it would make sense that that's who would be working for the company. I should be more clear. Let's say that what they're interviewing for is an administrative assistant. Does someone need to be Christian in order to perform the functions of the assistant position? Probably not. And that's where the issue uh, becomes potentially unlawful. If you're comparing this, though, to we, we have the values of the organization are this, and this is how we operate the organization. And you've got that clearly defined and out there and advertised, and yet somebody doesn't clearly doesn't adhere to that. Is that really discrimination then? Or is it, hey, look at this person's not going to operate the same way that the organization operates, so it's going to be disruptive to hire this person? Here's the key to that question, and that is always remember that unlawful discrimination requires the um, consideration of protected characteristics. So this is the age, the religion, the marital status, the national origin. 
And so if you are um, asking about certain values um, and whether um, this and determining whether this person can fit with those values, um, as long as those values do not um, involve assessment of any protected category, then that's fine. Then you're good. Correct. Thanks for sharing with us that, that piece on the interview, like defining what unlawful and lawful discrimination is. So you need to actually sit down beforehand and determine what is lawful, what is not lawful, and then kind of come up with any sort of justification for it, right? Right. And as mentioned before, um, the law does not prevent employers from discriminating for purposes of um, legitimate determining legitimate qualifications and performing essential job functions. And so if you have a interview criteria that you want to use, think through, and that, and that criteria, either directly or indirectly, may involve a protected characteristic. Think through what I just told you, which is, is, is whatever we have for our job qualification, or is this essential job function actually essential and does it does it require a um, someone within or without that protected category? And you can structure your interview around that to make sure you don't run afoul. There are people that can do the actual functions of the job. I need somebody who can do X, Y, and Z, right? So that's the skills piece of it. But you also have another component to this, which is which is how the company operates, how people interact. Uh, how like there, there's that cultural aspect to it. It's completely leaving out any of that from a, from a legal perspective, right? The way the law is written. You're kind of talking about a value measure versus a requirement or, uh, or you know, job requirement uh, situation. And so um, with respect to that, um, you know, it, it really, de- a lot of times it will depend on the circumstances. And so I'm trying to think of an example. Um, you know, it, it's really about drawing a nexus or a connection between whatever is the protected category and whatever you're considering them for. So in your situation, is it, you know, is uh, being better at whatever the job qualification is, does that require, does that um, is that a legitimate uh, uh, qualification or, you know, do you need a certain level in order to properly perform that essential job function? If you can do that, then you're going to have a justification. Okay, so let's talk about training. Any person in your organization who will be conducting interviews, uh, it would make a lot of sense and it would be recommended um, to educate these folks on the types of things that we've been discussing so far today so they know the the foundation and also give them training for example on scenarios they might face such as questions that are uh, acceptable under the law and maybe unacceptable under the law or what to do um, when an applicant just gratuitously offers information that uh, relates to a protected category you know, one of the ones that I have come up a lot, somebody might say, oh, well, you know, I'm married or they start talking about their kids and then they go into that conversation. That is a place where it can get really sticky, right? 
Well, yes. And so, you know, I think some folks, your, some of your listeners would be surprised at the types of things that are found to be unacceptable because, you know, they might have been asked these questions in interviews that they were the, where they were the interviewee and they didn't think twice about it. Or um, these things are part of everyday conversation and being friendly. Um, so going back to your example regarding um, whether they're married and whether they have kids, actually, uh, under strict application of the law, almost nothing regarding that subject is acceptable under the law. And so whether it, it uh, possibly could be acceptable under the law, best practices to avoid it. Um, and as I was mentioning before, um, they should be trained on, and because it's a common topic of conversation, it's, it's that type of thing on which interviewers should be trained to recognize and deal with. And not do. So I've heard many scenarios where, where somebody comes in on Monday or Tuesday. Oh, great. So, hey, good to meet you. How was your weekend? Oh, great. I spent some time with my family. We went and we did this, that, and the other thing. And then they go that route for the conversation. What'd you guys do? Oh, you went roller skating. Oh, tell me about that. And then they start digging into, oh, you know, learning about their family. They're sh they think that they're showing interest. But in essence, what they're doing is, in the eyes of law, wrong, number one. But number two, there's no data there that you can use that can help you make an accurate decision as to whether or not somebody should or should not be hired. Yeah, and, you know, that's a good example um, because if you, if you carry out your hypothetical a little further about we went roller skating and I really – um, injured my knee pretty badly. Then right there, you've, you've implicated two protected categories, marital family status and potential disability. Um, and so, you know, uh, like I say, it would, I think it goes a long way when people are aware that certain things that are part of friendly conversation um, just can't be asked in order to um, avoid any uh, later claim that the the interviewee wasn't selected because of, let's say, they were married and had kids, and the and the employer thought that um, that because they have such family obligations, they wouldn't be able to give the dedication that's needed. That type of thing. So in the eyes of the law, because a lot of companies they want to get to know the person. It is kind of important, but the way it's viewed is. You know, I want to learn about this person so I can understand who they are and what motivates them. And it makes all rational sense. But the truth is, and what I'm hearing from you is, don't engage in it. You can always find out about them later. But in the interview process, can you get personal later on down the road when you're closer to an offer? Is that where you open that can of worms, so to speak? Yeah, so a um, few points. Again, we, we talked about earlier that um, the law is all about protected categories. So if you want to ask for certain things personally that don't relate to uh, protected categories, there's no prohibition against that. And um, it's perfectly lawful. So if I'm a young guy who's single and I have no family, I can engage in conversation about what happened over the weekend. Oh, I went drinking with my buddies. You know, da, 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 yeah. right? But the moment that family comes up or injury or something else, right? 
I went to church. Couple observations on that. Uh, number one, you know, your listeners and anybody who interviews should always remember it's not just uh, direct questions that directly address um, uh, a protected category, a call for, you know, expected to call for protected category information, but also indirectly. Hey, um, yeah, I graduated college in 1992. There's an age issue. Um, so, what should the interview uh, interviewer do when that information is given without any prompting by a question that they asked? Is they can kind of do one or both of the following. Number one, they want to steer the question away from whatever is the protected category information or is going down the road of potential protected category information. And that can be as simple as just asking the next question um, or saying something to the effect of, ah, you know, let's not, let's not talk about that. Let's focus on um, the qualifications for the position and, and you know, your um, abilities to do them. Um, and then secondly, in certain situations, the interviewer may want to reference um, the company's policy against discrimination and its commitment to equal opportunity. First off, your interviewers, you mentioned they need to be trained. And they need to understand that each phase of where they come in needs to have a purpose tied to it. You need to be able to extract this data for you to make a decision. I believe the best way to do that is, number one, let them understand what data they need to extract to make the decision on each stage, but then also provide them a script. Give them a script of what to say and then how to gather more information that has to do with how they behave as opposed to who their family is and, and those other things that we socially find acceptable. I agree. And something that can assist in that regard is, uh, to the extent possible, develop uh, descriptions for the job positions at your company uh, that, and usually job descriptions or, you know, uh, uh, conventionally, they involve statement of job qualifications and also what the functions of the position are. I feel like those get companies in trouble, though, more than they help. They can. And so you would need to take care in developing and committing to writing a job description that the same care that you take with the interview process. And, and here's what you can do. If you uh, centralize the uh, function of performing interviews to someone who is well-educated and well-trained on these subjects, then that person is equipped to make the proper evaluation with respect to, are we implicating protected categories here? What do you think of behavioral interviews? I know I'm throwing this from left field, but Amazon, and there's a lot of larger companies that are kind of pioneering behavioral interviews. And what, what they are is you assign people questions. It'd be something like, tell me about a time when you did this, or you experienced this, or you had a difficult customer, something to that effect, right? And then you focus in on that experience and how this person acted, reacted, how they handled the situation, the steps they took to, to come to resolution, I find them extremely powerful tools. I've never seen a company get into trouble by running that type of an interview based on having the conversations about how a person acts 
and, and responds and, and reacts in exchange for tell me about your weekend and, and what did you do? That sort of thing. Uh, yeah. And so on its face or on their faces, I guess is correct grammar. Um, those types of questions don't, like I say, on their face, request information regarding protected categories. But, uh, you know, if you think through those questions, they, to me anyway, they increase um, or uh, likely call for information that the average person would share that does involve protected category information. You know, this, the law and complying with the law, you know, to, to the average person, it's overly restrictive. Um, but you have to strike a balance between the information that you need and minimizing the risk of there being any uh, problem with discussion of protected categories during the interview. All right, shoot, Robert, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Well, you know, we were talking about during our discussion, education and training. This is not intuitive stuff. And so it would behoove any uh, company to educate and, and train at least some core people who um, are involved, pass it on to others, whatever, but make sure those interviewers are trained and they're educated on the legal uh, parts of it. Um, and also, as I mentioned, a job description can serve as a foundation for an interview and it can help focus, help the interviewer focus on just the qualifications and the, um, the job functions and not any extraneous um, information. All right, well, thanks very much for your time investment today, Robert, and I wanna welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. What would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you? How do they reach you? Uh, well, a best place for the most information is taking a look at our website, and that's at um, HuddockEmploymentLaw.com. And you can also find even more about me um, on my LinkedIn page. Both the company, which we have a company page, which is um, www.linkedin.com slash IN slash Huddock Employment Law. And then obviously you could look up me by name and find out a lot more. And we'll have those links in the show notes. All right, I want to thank you for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, this show's for you. We want to continue to bring you valuable content you can plug into your business week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Jason Sherman. Jason is the co-founder of Spinner. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.